If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. There is an Epiphany hymn that begins with Jesus' birth, walks us theologically through his entire ministry through his death for us and his resurrection, quelling all the devil's might, and all the way to his second coming in judgment. And it ends with the prayer, grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word, grace to imitate thee now, and be pure as pure art thou. It's called Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Friday afternoon, February the 2nd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, will join us to study that Epiphany hymn. After our hymn study with Dr. Just, we'll have Pastor Brian Wolf Miller respond to evangelical cliches like, It's between me and the Lord. Jesus knows the heart. We should only go to the Bible, and it's unloving to exclude people from communion. Dr. Arthur Just is seasonal pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Naples, Florida, professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book, Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. Dr. Just, welcome back. Nice to be with you, Todd. Talk first here about how this is kind of the quintessential Epiphany hymn. It walks us through pretty much everything that Epiphany delivers. I think you got the right word there. It is the quintessential epiphany hymn. And it, in many ways, it's a hymn that really captures what epiphany is about in this sense, that it reveals to us through the miracles of Jesus, especially reflecting many of the gospel lessons, both in the one and three year series that really show us why Jesus is the son of God and what he came to do. So it's a, it's a perfect sort of encapsulation of what Jesus reveals to us in the Gospels. And at the same time, it looks forward to his great epiphany when he comes again in the second coming. We're going to encounter the word manifest a lot. How should we understand that in scriptural terms? I think 1 Peter 1.20 gives us a little hint of that. It's one of the verses that I think underlines the the basic substance of this hymn. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. And I think one of the ways to think about it is that we now see in Jesus the Messiah who has come, who has taken flesh. In a sense, it's a continuation of the theme of Christmas, where Jesus is born to die. And we see now the way in which this Christ child manifests himself in the world through his miracles, through his teaching, 
and through essentially how he shows us in his life that he is, in fact, the Messiah from the Old Testament, come to bring in a new creation. What do we know about the author? Well, it's Christopher Wordsworth, one of my favorites, and he's a nephew of the very famous romantic poet William Wordsworth. So he comes from a family of poets. And I think every hymn that we have of his in our hymnal is always poetically beautiful. And he he likes repetition, and he certainly does that in this hymn. We see many of the same themes. In fact, the last line of the first three verses are all the same. Anthems be to thee address God and man made manifest. I think one of the things about him is that, that he was a relatively conservative Anglican clergyman, and he, he was deeply immersed in the, the life of the church and understood the very nature of the church here. And he wrote this for the sixth Sunday in Epiphany because he wanted it to be a hymn that would look back on the entire season and, in a sense, recapitulate all the different themes that we see in the season of Epiphany, and yet at the same time anticipate that future great and glorious Epiphany when Christ appears again to judge the world. It's a great hymn of praise because one of the things I think we really do in Epiphany is we rear back and praise God that, in fact, in his Son, who has become man for us, we see what it is that he's willing to do to save us. Epiphany's always been maybe my favorite season because of the way in which it reveals who Jesus is in the Gospels. And I think some of the hymnody, like this hymn, is really, in many ways, the strength of the hymnody of our church. What would you say the primary text of this hymn is? Well, there are some that are kind of overarching texts. For example, Isaiah 60, where Jesus, in a sense, lays down the program for his Messiahship, you know, where Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and that kind of thing. That is the great sermon in Nazareth in Luke 4 also. And there you see, this is what the Messiah is going to come and do. And And one of the things that you're alerted to there, is that he comes primarily as a, a teacher, preacher, and that his word that he speaks has this power to create what it says, and that that is demonstrated in miracles that not only testify that he is the Son of God, but that he, the Son of God, and this is, this is the great theme of Epiphany for my money, he, the Son of God, is present in his creation already now, making things new. In other words, he's setting creation in bondage. He's setting it free by healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, and forgiving sins. In many ways, I think that's the overarching one. I just quoted 1 Peter 1.20. Certainly, there is an echo throughout this hymn of the future worship that we'll have in Revelation 19, especially at the marriage feast of the Lamb and its kingdom, that has an O-N. That's where the great epiphany is. But I also think there is a reflection here of that. It's actually a Reformation text from Matthew chapter 11, where 
the disciples of John the Baptist come to him, to Jesus, and ask, are you the coming one, or should we expect another? And Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Those are the great miracles, and in many ways, this hymn captures many of them. There are also, though, I think, texts here that point to the end times, especially Mark 13, when it says that Jesus predicting the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from the heaven, and they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds. And then also the fact that he's going to appear like lightning is from Matthew 24. So you do get these passages that refer to his second coming. And in the final verse, we do have a couple of references there, one that we're called to have grace to imitate the now, which I think comes from Ephesians 5. And then John declares that when he appears, we shall be like him in 1 John 3, which again is part of that final verse. So the fact of the matter is you've got also the wedding at Cana. You've got Jesus' baptism. You've got the Magi. I think the reason I love this hymn as much as any is not just the poetry, but it is so shot through with scripture. I mean, you can hardly rub against a part of the verse without seeing some sort of biblical reference. So you can see this Christopher Wordsworth, he was immersed and saturated in scripture, and it comes out in this hymn. The first stanza of Songs of Thankfulness and Praise Songs of thankfulness and praise, Jesus, Lord, to thee we raise, manifested by the star to the sages from afar, branch of royal David's stem in thy birth at Bethlehem, anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. What would you say of this first stanza, Dr. Just? Well, it's where we get the first language of manifested by the star. But notice that it starts as a hymn of praise, songs of thankfulness and praise. Jesus, Lord, to thee we raise. I mean, this is one of the, the things we do in Epiphany, is we give thanks and praise to God because he has sent his son and his son has done what the Old Testament said, he must do in order to save us from our sins. But notice how he moves so quickly from the star to the wise men, to the branch of Royal David's stem, which of course is a very clear reference to the fact that, that he is in fact the Messiah because he comes from the, the house of David. And then he does of course reference the birth at Bethlehem. I didn't mention earlier that one of the great references here is to the fact from Jeremiah 23, 5, that 
that David's righteous branch will rise up and this will be the Messiah. So you have this whole sort of Christmas scene. And one of the things I think some people don't really fully kind of appreciate is that Christmas and Epiphany are really one season. Epiphany is just sort of an extension of the Christmas theme. The light has dawned in Bethlehem, you know, the the winter solstice. The days are getting longer all of a sudden. The light is dying. We have the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And Epiphany is where that light is made manifest, reveals itself to us. So we do stand on Christmas. We stand with the Magi. We look at the star with them and see how it comes over the place of Bethlehem. And we see this connection to the Old Testament, that he is David's son. He is the royal righteous branch of David. And that's why, again, this is that praise theme, anthems be to thee addressed, God and man made manifest. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We are studying the Epiphany hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. We'll get to that word about man and flesh and how God and man is made manifest next. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. lutheranpublicradio.org. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Old Theology, New Technology, You're listening to Issues Etc. At Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio, you will find rest for your soul, strength for the day, forgiveness of sins, and hope for the future through Jesus Christ. Because at Hope, you'll hear the Word of God faithfully taught and receive the sacrament faithfully delivered. This is Pastor Ben Meyer inviting you to join us at Hope for Bible class and Sunday school at 9.15 a.m. and the Divine Service at 8 and 10.30 a.m. Find us on the web at hopelutheransunbury.org. Teaching your student to read should not be complicated. Memoria Press's Phonics uses common sense and the classical approach with their First Start Reading program for the most effective and efficient way to teach your child how to read. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press. Saving Western Civilization, one student at a time.
Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, is our guest. We are studying the Epiphany hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Dr. Just, let's talk about that phrase now that is repeated, God in man made manifest. There's another version, God in flesh made manifest. What are we confessing about the incarnation in those words? Yeah, it's it's good that we went back to that line, God in flesh. Maybe there was an a, attempt to be even more deeply theological there by, by talking about how the word was made flesh. But Christopher Wordsworth, he used the word man, I think to a certain extent poetically, because it goes with manifest. But the fact that God now becomes one of us, man, and even though it may not be as inclusive, but the fact of the matter is Jesus came as a man in the flesh. And in that flesh, in that in his manhood, we see the manifestation of God's salvation. And I think the word man there is is crucial on many levels to be maintained. And I'm so glad that our new hymnal went back to it because it really does reflect what it is that we see in Galilee as he goes from place to place. We see the man Jesus of Nazareth, and yet as he manifests himself in these acts of mercy, some, you know, you you might expect something more grand or more glorious, but in these simple, merciful acts, he shows himself, he manifests himself as the one who came to set us free. Is it too much to say that we do not have access to the Trinity apart from God in man made manifest, apart from the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity in Jesus Christ? No, I think that's exactly what it all means. I mean, in Jesus, we see the Father by the Spirit, and to know what God is like is to see it in the face of Jesus Christ, and in the revelation of his life and ministry and his suffering, death and resurrection and ascension, all those things are how we know who God is. Stanza two. Manifest at Jordan's stream, prophet, priest, and king supreme, and at Cana, wedding guest, in thy Godhead manifest, manifest in power divine, changing water into wine, Anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. Dr. Just, this stanza takes us straight to the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry and his anointing there in his baptism. Exactly, and it it is the, the beginning of Epiphany. And I think the reason why it is is because in the baptism of our Lord, the heavens open and the Father says, 
as the Spirit comes down upon Jesus. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, there's nothing greater than to hear the Father say, this is his Son. And there you see in his baptism, where Jesus, with the Father and the Spirit, is now, in a sense, enacting the plan of salvation, where he is anointed as the Messiah publicly by the Spirit to do what he must do. And it's there that he begins to take his place alongside of us, in solidarity with us, but also in substitution for us, which is what those three great titles tell us, prophet, priest, and king. One of the the great themes of Epiphany is that Jesus reveals himself as the final end-time prophet. There is a, a way of understanding Jesus as this prophet who now comes to do what Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, that he's going to come and do what no other prophet has been able to do, listen to him. That language we'll hear in the transfiguration at the end of Epiphany. And as the the final prophet, he is going to be a teacher, he's going to perform miracles, and he will be rejected like all the prophets before him. Not simply by representing God, but because he is God and man made manifest. And then priest, I mean, the priestly character of Jesus is that not that he, he goes into the temple and makes sacrifices, but his body now is the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And it's interesting how really the first spoken words of Jesus in the scriptures are when he's in the temple at 12 years old, and he said, I must be in my father's house, or I must be about my father's business. And what is the purpose of his father's house? It's sacrifice. What is his father's business? It is to make all those sacrifices that look forward to the final sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And then as king, how is he crowned as king? He's crowned with a crown of thorns. His throne is a cross. And you can see that our king is a king who is crucified, where over the cross it says, this is the king of the Jews. I mean, right there, you go from baptism where you can already see his crucifixion, and then the titles that all focus in on his death. I did want to stay on this stanza and discuss the Cana reference there, that we have what some people might say kind of a parlor trick miracle. There's more to it than simply saying, you know, poof, water becomes wine. It's referenced here in this stanza. Why is that so important in our understanding of Jesus revealing himself to his disciples? One of the great ways the Old Testament speaks about the relationship between God and Israel is the relationship between the bridegroom and his bride. And now the bridegroom has come. There's a number of references to the fact that Jesus, when he's here, we are to feast because there will be a time to repent. And he comes for his bride, the church. And even though it says a number of times in that passage that his hour has not yet come, it's not far away where he will, as the bridegroom, give up his life for the bride. And one of the things that he does here in this miracle is he moves from those waters, the Old Testament jars of purification water, and he he makes that water of purification into wine, which will 
also be given to us in a sacrament as his blood. That is really blood that on the cross, in a sense, sanctified and purified the whole world. It's where we see the bridegroom's blood being shed for his bride. So that there is so much here about not only just the economy of God in the Old Testament that is reaching its climax here, where the bridegroom shows himself to be the bridegroom of the bride at a wedding, but it also says something about how our marriages are simply, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, a reflection of the relationship God has with Israel as bridegroom and bride. And that we see in the in the marriage life, in the, the marriage relationship, in a sense, a model of the gospel, an icon of the gospel, where we show forth in our marriages the forgiveness of sins, which is at the heart of the gospel. So there's so much here. And I mean, he gives us two lines on this, you know, he's a wedding guest, but there he, he shows, manifests his Godhead. It is a power divine, but it's, it's sort of hidden in a way as he changes water into wine. I mean, you could say it's a parlor trick, but it is theologically profound. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise with Dr. Arthur Just, author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. On the other side of the break, stanza three, manifest in making whole, palsied limbs and fainting soul, manifest in valiant fight, quelling all the devil's might, manifest in gracious will, ever bringing good from ill, anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. Come join LCMS Worship for the Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music, July 9th through the 12th, 2024, at Concordia University, Nebraska. We'll gather under the theme, The Songs of Deliverance, and focus on the Psalms together. Everything you need to know is at lcms.org slash worship institute, and you can look for registration information in the early part of 2024. That's lcms.org slash worship institute, God's mission right where you are. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. 
Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. You may be one of those pastors who need to be refreshed and refueled because of your parish ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Charles Geeshan. Concordia Theological Seminary has a wonderful program, not only in continuing education during the summer, but in a advanced study program called the Doctor of Ministry. And it's a very practical program because it focuses on congregational ministry. It incorporates biblical theology with the ministry of the congregation. It's also very accessible for pastors, and it's also affordable. You can major in pastoral care and leadership, teaching and preaching, or mission and culture. And we pray that pastors will take advantage of this program. Learn more about the Doctorate of Ministry program at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Stanza 3 of the Epiphany Hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're studying this Epiphany Hymn with Dr. Arthur Just. Dr. Just, what would you say about this third stanza? For me, it's my favorite verse of this hymn because it really does capture the character of, of Jesus setting the creation free from its bondage. This idea of making whole, things are broken things are not right. Somebody has to make them right. Somebody has to restore them. Somebody has to make it whole what has been broken. And that's what Jesus does. And he does it in simple ways through healing and casting out demons, fighting Satan for us, raising the dead, forgiving sins. My very favorite line is palsied limbs and fainting soul. Christopher Wordsworth understood that Jesus came for the whole person, body and soul. And when you think of palsied limbs, you can't help but think of the paralytic let down through the ceiling. And the whole question there is, are his sins forgiven? And that Jesus is accused of blasphemy. And in order that, that you might know that the Son of Man on earth has power to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, rise up and take those palsied limbs and walk home, which he does. But the fainting soul, you can see how he comes to people who are broken spiritually. When you hear Jesus, blessed are those who are poor, and Luke, and blessed are those who are poor in spirit, it's both, both the physically poor and also the poor in spirit, the fainting soul. He also does 
again, it's just so beautifully poetic. He brings up the Christus Victor theme, that Jesus is our captain in the well-fought fight. This is Lent one. He's anticipating that already, and that he's quelling all the devil's might. I mean, he cast out demons, and the demons would attack him, but he would see Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he says to the 70, when they preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So he has already in his ministry the power over Satan, and you can't help but think of his temptation in the wilderness where he he defeats Satan, and he shows that he's not going to give in to these temptations because he must go to the cross. He must suffer and die for us. The final one about his gracious will ever bringing good from ill, in a way that's a beautifully poetic encapsulation of all the good that Jesus did in his ministry, where he does his miracles and his acts of mercy and compassion. This is one of the reasons why people didn't think he was the Messiah. They were expecting something grander, more triumphant, more maybe militaristic. But he comes as a merciful savior. He comes to bring compassion and healing and forgiveness. And that's the the bringing good from ill that Jesus does. I'm put in mind in that line of a uh, line that Jesus speaks in the book of Revelation, behold, I make all things new. And to me, that is the capstone to the promise from the apostle that God will work all things together for our good. And that was a, the great line in the Passion of the Christ when Jesus is fallen down in a courtyard and there's chaos all around him and his mother Mary is trying to get to him and she finally sneaks up to him and it's that that scene full of pathos where he looks at her and he says that line from Revelation, mother, I am making all things new. And it's through that blood that he is is shedding at that moment and that will pour from him on the cross itself where he does bring in the new creation by cleansing it with his blood. Stanza four of Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Sun and moon shall darkened be, stars shall fall, and heavens shall flee. Christ will then like lightning shine, all will see his glorious sign. All will then the trumpet hear, all will see the judge appear. Thou by all will be confessed, God and man made manifest. Dr. Jess, you mentioned early on that the author of this hymn likes repetition, and the structure of this particular stanza is pretty remarkable. It is, and what it does is it moves us in a new direction. The first three verses, we were looking backward at the life of Jesus and his ministry, his teaching, his miracles, and now we're looking forward. We're we're seeing an anticipation, and these are the words of of Wordsworth in his preface, an anticipation of the future great and glorious epiphany. 
And here he's paraphrasing Mark 13. And it is, what is it, two real verses. He gives us the entire sort of end of the the world. The sun and moon are darkened. The stars fall. The heavens flee. He's shining like lightning as he comes. It's a glorious sign. As Luke says, lift up your heads because the Son of Man is drawing near. We hear the trumpet, and there he is, the judge. He ends with the judge. And I think when the judge comes, everyone, and he uses the word all, all will confess, whether they're a believer or unbeliever, that Jesus is Lord and Christ, and he is now the one who is going to judge the living, and the dead. This is painted in a frightful, at least initially, a frightful portrait here. How is this comforting to us that all things that we think are immovable will be shaken, as the apostle says, and then the judge appears? Well, I think, I mean, I, you know, I'm a Luke guy. In Luke's rendition of this in his gospel, he says it's it, there these apocalyptic signs these signs of the end times are going to be frightening but for christians for believers for the baptized this is what we've been looking forward to that's why he says stand up straight lift up your heads and see that your redemption is drawing near so i think for believers the judgment is is what we see as the the fulfillment of the hope we've had our whole life I had a professor at the seminary, Valdemar Degner, some of my hearers might remember him. He would often begin a class by praying that the end of the world would come before the class was over. And I remember when I first heard that, I said, yeah, a lot of us, because of the quiz coming up, would probably prefer the end of the world to his quiz. But you know, the, the more he did that, the more I thought about that. And I was just a young seminarian. It's my first quarter. I thought to myself, now that's the greatest act of faith, that we can pray here in this class that the judge will come to separate the sheep and the goats. And because we are believers, because we are the baptized, this is the greatest act that we could possibly imagine in this moment. Here is the final stanza of Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word, grace to imitate thee now and be pure as pure art thou, that we might become like thee at thy great epiphany, and may praise the ever-blessed God and man made manifest. Just what is this final stanza all about? It's a prayer, and it begins with the petition, grant us grace. Now, as Lutherans, we know how important grace is. It's the greatest gift that we could have. 
It's the manifestation, to use the language of this hymn, that God is giving us the greatest gift that he can give us in his son and the salvation that he brings. But this Christopher Wordsworth knew after giving us that somewhat terrifying verse of, of hope for believers and the coming of the judge, that what we hold on to now, what makes it possible for us to endure in this world until the end, is that he is present in his holy word. And I think for somebody like Christopher Wordsworth, he's speaking here now about the, the people of God as they gather together around the, the bodily presence of Christ to hear the Holy Gospel and to receive the, the Word made flesh and the sacrament of the altar. This is what makes it possible for us to imitate him. And what that means is that when we receive him, when our flesh is joined to his flesh when we hear his holy word and receive his sacrament. He is now in us and we are in him. And so when we go out into the world, and I think that's what Christopher Wordsworth is thinking of, when we now enter into real life outside the, the, the liturgy of the church, God is made manifest through us. That his purity, his forgiveness, his love, his compassion, his grace is seen through our acts of mercy and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and love. And that's how we become like him. So that, you know, at his great epiphany, we will be able to join all the saints and all those who are, are being pointed to the right of the king that we can all join in the great hymns of heaven and sing praise to God, God and man made manifest. We'll talk more about that great epiphany with Dr. Arthur Just on the other side of the break as we study the epiphany hymn songs of thankfulness and praise. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. The light of God's Word in a world of darkness. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
Join Lutherans for Life at the For Such a Time as This Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Enjoy the testimony and talents of Dove Award-winning musician and adoptee Mark Schultz. Discover expert information and exciting opportunities, and experience the fellowship and celebration. The 2024 Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston. Find out more and register at lutheransforlife.org slash conferences. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Gruesome has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcrucem.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crucem, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn Songs of Thankfulness and Praise with Dr. Arthur Jess, Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Find out about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155. Forming Servants in Jesus Christ who Teach the Faithful, Reach the Lost, and Care for All. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Just, before the break, you mentioned that great epiphany. Let's talk more about that, the great epiphany that we are waiting for. Well, the first epiphany is hidden. It's hidden in a manger in Bethlehem. It's wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's lifted up on a cross and wrapped in cloth bands. It's a a man who appears to us after he rose from the dead with the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side. But the the great epiphany is when we see him as they saw him at the transfiguration, which is why that's such a great final gospel for epiphany. We see him in all his glory. There is nothing hidden from us now. We see what he really is. He is the creator and the redeemer and the the sustainer of the universe. And there he is, the as the, the they say, the Pantocrator, the one who has come now in the final judgment in all his glory with the angels and all the saints to show us what it is that he has given us when he became manifest in the incarnation as a babe born in Bethlehem. And again, back to the Apostle John, he, he reminds us that on that last day, we will be revealed also seeing him face to face, we will be revealed sharing in his divine life. Yeah, we will be partakers of his glory at that point and be enveloped in that. And we will be seated going back to the wedding at Cana. We will be seated at the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom that has no end. Let's hear the entire hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise, and get Dr. Just's final thoughts.
The Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the hymn Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Dr. Just, your final thoughts on this Epiphany hymn. In a little more than two weeks, we will all gather on a Wednesday to begin the season of Lent. And this hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise, is in a way a farewell to the magnificent season of Epiphany that we have had the privilege of being in during this month of January and February. Epiphany is the time where we see Jesus for what he is. He is someone who has come into this world to confront the fact that we are captive to sin and sickness and death, and that he has come to free us, to defeat the evil foe for us, And he does it in mercy. He does it by healing and casting out demons, raising the dead. And he does it by absorbing into himself on the cross all the brokenness of this world and allows those demons to attack him, the ones that were meant for us. Epiphany is when we see that Jesus comes as the one to set us free, to liberate us, from the things that we are in bondage to. And that's why we sing hymns like songs of thankfulness and praise and remember through the scriptures all the marvelous things he's done, that he changed water into wine at Cana, that he healed those who had palsied limbs and gave hope to those with fainting souls, that he fought off the devil by causing the demons to to flee from the man into those pigs that were drowned in the sea, that his gracious will, his bringing good from ill, is at the heart of his ministry of release. But as Lutherans, most of all, we remember that Jesus comes to forgive us our sins, to release us from our guilt, to release us from our shame, to show us that these sins that are part of our broken nature do not have to plague us, do not have to bind us up, do not have to keep us up at night, but that we are set free by his forgiveness, forgiveness that was won for us through the blood he shed on the cross as our prophet, priest, and king. And so this end of Epiphany we sing songs of thankfulness and praise because in Jesus, God in man is made manifest. Dr. Arthur Just is seasonal pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Naples, Florida, professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. You can purchase these resources on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Dr. Just, thank you. My pleasure and a blessed epiphany to all. When we return, we'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller respond to evangelical cliches like it's between me and the Lord, Jesus knows the heart, we should only go to the Bible, and it's unloving to exclude people from communion. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us.
Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuda, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuda, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuda.com. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. Do you long for a church that celebrates the divine service with reverence and joy, but without the unbiblical baggage imposed by a supposedly infallible hierarchy? Do you long for a church that confesses a divinely instituted office of the holy ministry for the giving of the Lord's gifts to his people and yet values and lifts high the priesthood of all believers? Welcome to the Lutheran Church. We're what you've been looking for. Find an historic, authentic church near you on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org.